Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to talk about irrelevant behaviors. So this is when your child hoots and sings or says provocative and gross things, um, has these explosions of noise and silliness, and it drives parents crazy. So today, we're going to talk about what is it, um, why is it, and what to do about it. Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Clary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So irrelevant behaviors. Now this is something that's very common it can be common all the way through childhood and even to, into the teenagers. So, so let me kind of describe what irrelevant behaviors are. So these are kind of, I don't know, hooting and screaming and sh- shrieking and singing silly songs and doing crazy dances and just sort of uh, behaviors that really there's no purpose for these behaviors. Um, they really are just, um, how can we describe it? It's like a, a discharge of energy. It's sort of like, you know, the battery's overcharged and it's zipping. And this is a way to kind of get that, um, extra energy out. And it can happen mostly during transitions. So, you know, when your child is doing something and they get up to do something else or in their, they're in the car and they leave the car to go into the house. Um, there's these kind of silly wild behaviors that come and you, you can see this all the way through, um, for kids that have ADHD, you'll see this more. Um, and for kids that are just really high energy and very silly and entertaining, um, you'll see it as well. Uh, it does tend to calm down naturally as they get a little bit older and as their own frontal lobe is able to regulate those behaviors and feel the impulse for those behaviors, but then decide not to do it or that it's not time or mom's not in a good mood or you know something like that. There, there are ways that the brain learns to mitigate those behaviors, but this is something I hear a lot from parents. It drives parents crazy. So I want to take you back to our conversations that we've had about adrenaline and adrenaline play. So because the frontal lobe, so to be honest, like we probably think silly things during the day or have these kind of random thoughts or, you know, think about shouting out something, but we just know our frontal lobe actually filters it for us. And we hopefully, and it gets filtered and we think it, but it doesn't actually come out of our mouth. And that's a really important job of the frontal lobe is to kind of regulate and inhibit these kind of irrelevant behaviors or kind of random thoughts or things that just pop into our heads. And that's a pretty big job for the frontal lobe to do. Um, So kids and even teens up to kind of 18 or 19 don't really have that ability in the same way that an adult brain does. So we do a lot of that, honey, be quiet, honey, sit down, honey, not now, just calm down. Your sister's trying to study. I'm trying to think, right. We're doing a lot of that inhibiting for them. Um, So the brain inherently has more difficulty doing that. The child brain does, but here's the other thing that happens. They get bored, right? They get bored. There's like, they kind of, it kind of flatlines in terms of what's going on. There's not a lot of information coming in. There's not a lot of excitement coming in. Everyone's a little bit too quiet. So out comes the noises, the sounds, whatever. And sometimes there's a slightly conscious um, aspect to it. And sometimes there isn't. (laughs) Sometimes it's literally, it's, it's just an impulse. But what happens in those moments is either a sibling 
or we, the parent, gets really mad. Like, stop it, cut it out. I told you not to. Singing, humming, all of these things can be in the same category. And the more upset and agitated we get, the more they double down on these behaviors because they're getting a blast of adrenaline. It's the bugging the other person that's actually um, stimulating the brain. It's actually stimulating the frontal lobe. They are medicating themselves on bugging other people. And then what happens is they do it and they do it and they do it until you're so mad and then they're upset. You, then you hurt their feelings and then they get embarrassed and they get upset. And then you feel terrible because you don't want to do that. They were just kind of having this like sunny, funny, silly moment. And then we squashed it. So it's, it's helping kids figure out that a little bit of that is okay. And a little bit of that is actually normal and important actually for, for brain regulation, for emotional regulation, but too much of it, when it's invading other people's space, when it's deliberately bothering other people, when it's um, really designed to target and irritate either you or their sibling, then that's behavior that that's unfair. And we need to kind of help them with that. So, and this is a not, this is not an easy line because some kids are quite quiet and like they're peace and quiet and they don't like to be bothered. And other kids like literally walk into the room and they're taking up all the space. They're making a ton of noise. They're involving everybody in their, in their nonsense. And it gets really, really, really tiring. So the first thing I think it's important to do is remember adrenaline play here. This is very, very important. Make sure with your kids, even your teens, that when you see them kind of zipping around and with that increased energy, play with them, be silly with them, be ridiculous with them, have a little bit of fun, right? It doesn't have to be always stop it, cut it out, like go, be goofy sometimes. Um, and also really play with them, tickle them, chase them, um, you know, rah, like have a whole thing back and get that adrenaline flowing in a way that actually does what it needs to do to the brain. It stimulates that frontal lobe, but you're also bonding at the same time. You're also having a flow of oxytocin and serotonin and what I call what are called the here and now chemicals that actually make you happy and calm you down and have some fun. So if I think about my kids, my, my son, Jacob, and he'll laugh because he actually edits, he's the producer and edits all of my podcasts. Um, he used to, we used to have this thing where he would hide and then freak me out. And I, I really did hate it. I really did. But we laugh about it now. <laughs> it's, it would be one of those things you would like catch on uh, on video and it could have gone viral. So, you know, I would be coming up the stairs and he would be, I hear like the door slowly creaking open and he'd be hiding in the linen closet. And, you know, and I think there was even one time it was Halloween and he had like a, like one of those fake pa pa plastic pitchfork things. And, and there he is. And I'm, you know, <laughs> freaking out and he's laughing. But then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it back to him. So I think I was in his, I, I think I was in him, his closet one time and scared him. And he was behind the drapes in my bedroom and scared me. And we just had this fun kind of banter that went back and forth. And he's 28 now. And we still laugh about it and talk about it. So you can kind of go with that a little bit and actually have some fun. Um, these can actually be memories that you can actually enjoy. Um, and and it, it's not always what you feel like doing. <laughs> And you do have to have a conversation about when it's appropriate. There's certainly moments where, you know, if you're in a bad mood or you've just gotten bad news and your kid jumps out of the linen closet, that's not going to go so well. So you have conversations about, you know, how to tell and what are the clues that now is a good moment that you could actually tease me or have some fun with me. Um, and it, and it, it's actually really helpful sometimes to do it with your child because the siblings don't always handle it quite as well. Sometimes they will and they'll have some some fun back and forth, but mostly it goes right to like, 
what I call earthquake talk with the siblings. <laughs> Cut it out. You're walking me, which is actually the reaction um, that the child who is seeking that adrenaline hit is actually looking for. But so step one, adrenaline play. So you can, you can physically chase them. You can tickle them. You can have, a, I don't know, a square on the carpet. That's a safe zone. If they're standing on it, you can't touch them, but if they come off it, you can tickle them. Um, you can, you know, with, with your teen, you know, do what I talked about with my older son, um, just go with it and have some fun. And I would actually plan for that. You sort of often when they come home from school or right after dinner, when there's natural transition times in the day, it's actually really a good idea to get that adrenaline flowing. And it's not that they're not going to bug their siblings or, or freak out about something, later. It's just, this will, this will help. This will just kind of like ease that pressure. It'll just um, release that pressure valve a little bit. And they're more likely to have a a kind of calmer evening. Um, Sometimes these behaviors, they really, really can't help. Like they, they, you'll just see it's this sort of almost spontaneous discharge. So when you can't go with it, um, give them permission to go with it. Just be like, okay, you know what? I can't do this with you, but for 10 minutes, hoot, make noises, be silly, be ridiculous, do what you have to do, get it out. Maybe the siblings can go somewhere else. So you're actually allowing it to come out that, that often helps. And then interestingly, in those situations, often they do it for a couple of minutes and then they stop. Um, Where it gets to be a real problem is when they're really provocative, when they're saying really gross things or insulting things or or sexual things, sometimes Um, that can get really disturbing and they're, 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 they're continuously upping the ante. They're looking for that bigger um, adrenaline hit. And because it's also has to do with dopamine, they're, they're seeking that thrill, which is the release of dopamine. And this is, this is basically true with any, anything, any, any kind of addiction. Um, they kind of increase their behavior to get a bigger reaction out of you so they can get a bigger hit of adrenaline. Um, so it's actually really important in those situations for you to stay as neutral as possible. When you flip out and you start screaming and yelling and running around the house, um, that's in, in some ways, that's the reaction that they were looking for. I mean, if you go too far, then they get upset and it can be really humiliating, but for a while it's funny and that's the reaction they're looking for. So I talk a lot about being neutral. It is incredibly important to be fairly neutral. If you're not going to go with it and you're not in the mood to go with it, or it's not an appropriate time to go with it. You have to stay really neutral. And then you have to say, you're doing that thing again with your irrelevant behaviors or whatever you want to call it. Um, I get it. You always mirror first. You want a reaction from me. You've got a lot of energy. I totally understand that, but this is not an appropriate time right now. You're, you're now invading my personal space or you're offending me. This is not okay. If you continue to behave this way, here's the consequence. And then there has to be a fairly logical consequence um, for not respecting your personal space and your time. And for a teenager, it may be not driving them somewhere. Um, it might be, they drive, they walk themselves to school instead of getting a ride. If, if it's happening on the way to school or if it's happening in the car, um, you know, you won't pick them up later, like try to make it naturally connected to the event. Um, that's a good way to do it. Sometimes if they have an allowance, you can dock, the allowance, if they, you know, if they're saying really rude and inappropriate things just to get you, um, if they're older kids leave the house, you know what, I'm going for a walk. I'm not dealing with this. I love you. I've tried really hard to understand what's going on with you today, but you're not respecting my space. I'm going for a walk. 
and then get out of the house. If they're not little, you, you can get out. They need about 20 minutes sometimes to just get over themselves. Um, that can really help. Um, talking about it before it happens is also really helpful. So, you know, when you're going for a drive in the car or you're towards bedtime, just say, Hey, what's tell me what's going on in your brain when that stuff is happening. What are you feeling like? And what can I do? And they'll usually tell you that you're pretty honest. They'll usually tell you, oh, I love getting the reaction from you, blah, blah, blah. And then you can kind of talk about that's the brain discharging energy. And there, you, there's a few different ways that they can do, they can sort of get that energy out themselves. They can go and do something physical. They can go on a treadmill. They can bounce on a trampoline. If you have one, they can run up and down the stairs. They can go for a bike ride if they're old enough, or you can take them for a bike ride. Um, they can actually squeeze their whole body. So They can start with their toes and let go and then their legs and let go. And then like from the neck down and let go. And then they can squeeze their whole body and clean their face and hold it for like 30, for 30 or 40 seconds. I call it kind of squeezing the dish rag. You're like squeezing the energy out of the body that can really help. Um, sometimes kids, kids want you to squeeze them. So you're like, come here, come here. Let me give you a big hug. And you're like, actually squeeze them. Um, that can help. Um, this sounds crazy, but sometimes get a rolling pin and have them lie down and you can like just roll their body with the rolling pin. And sometimes that can get that kind of, kind of energy out. If your kids have a weighted blanket that can really help. Um, usually going with it and letting the energy come out first and encouraging them to find ways to get that energy out first in ways that are appropriate is really helpful. Sometimes they really need your help with that, um, like squeezing them and some of the suggestions that I gave. And then after that, um, just kind of go back to normal and see if you can establish a pattern over time that they learn how to self-regulate a little bit better. Most of the time though, it it's you, right? It, it's our reaction that when we give a reaction where we're really mad and irritated, that's the funny part. That's what makes it funny. That's why they want to keep doing it. So um, either go with it or lay out that it's a time not to go with it. And then you have to stay really, really, really neutral. Um, and for your little ones, I can't stress baby play enough, baby play, tickling um, and play you know, for older kids too, like playing any games that pop, have a timer, where, you know, there's obstacle courses, anything like that can really, really help. And then helping kids understand what's actually going on in their brain. Um, this can be honestly like one of the biggest triggers. And you'll find in your family that there's usually one parent or sibling the kid goes after. Like one parent has usually figured this out. They either don't react or they leave or it just doesn't work the same way. And the one who is usually the target of this is usually, usually has the biggest and sometimes funniest reactions to it. Um, so see if all these things help. This is, this is something that does tend to get better with time and certainly does get better if you can change your own reaction to it. Um, so again, don't forget to mirror. Mirroring is really important. Connecting first before you're correcting them when they're being silly or provocative. Um, that can also, that that's really, that's, that's part of the medicine as well. And you're giving that oxytocin and serotonin, which is a very important reward chemical that I think is probably more powerful in some ways than dopamine. Um, all right. Hopefully that helps you. This is just one of these crazy things about being a parent and believe it or not, these will, th these will be the moments that you'll miss. Like just when you think I, you can't take it anymore, when your kids are off at university or college and, um, and you're missing them, that's what you're going to remember. You're going to remember the silliness and the noise. So try to hang on to that. 
For more information, as always, go to connectedparenting.com. Remember that we have our online courses. Um, in one of the versions of that course, I'm pretty active with everybody in the Facebook group. We've got our village, which I think is such a great place for parents to connect, help each other, support each other. And then there's two connected parenting therapists in there. Um, it's a weekly subscription, monthly subscription program. And we have, we run four of those a week and they're just amazing. It's just a great place to get lots of parenting advice um, and to practice the calm technique. Thanks very much. And I will see you next time on the next episode of connected parenting.